0: Hello, and welcome to a special weekend edition of On the Merits, the legal podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm Adam Allington, filling in for David Schultz, who's on vacation until August 24th. In the meantime, we have one of our reporters reading for you her story about the difficulties some COVID victims are facing with insurance companies. Here's Bloomberg Law's Lydia Wheeler reading her story, Long COVID victims face new foe in recovery. Medical necessity.
1: Marco Cullen noticed a rash with raised pinpoint bumps on the stomach and neck of her now 21 month old son in the beginning of March. Then the fever started. Alex tested positive for coronavirus on March 15th, becoming one of 2.2% of all COVID 19 cases that were in children under five as of August 5th, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. He's had a fever every day since. They ranged from 100.4 degrees, which is enough to keep him out of daycare, to a high of 102.1. Perplexed as to why Alex had fevers long after his initial COVID infection, his doctors in New York recommended monitoring him for two days at Albany Medical Center Hospital in May. Now, Cullen's insurance is refusing to cover that 48-hour stay, saying it did not meet Fidelis Care's meaning of necessary medical care, the insurer said in a May 21 letter. Health insurance companies have tremendous power to decide what their plans will and won't pay for, and medical necessity is one of their tools to deny claims. It's a standard derived from medical research and gold standards of care. In other words, it's based on what's worked in the past. For long COVID, there is no past, no standard of care, and very little research. So some treatments for long COVID conditions, even if ordered by a doctor, are being deemed not medically necessary or experimental prompting insurance companies to deny claims. It's not clear how widely that tool is being used. Courts generally don't allow legal challenges to be brought until the insurer's internal appeals processes are exhausted, and states often can't step in because they lack regulatory authority over many health plans. But some long haulers are running up against these type of denials, and doctors say having to fight insurers can worsen their conditions. They want me to prove something I can't prove, and a scientist can tell you we can't prove this, but they want that information and I just can't give it to them, said 39-year-old Sarah Cedar, a long hauler from Chattanooga, Tennessee. She needs a neuropsychological test that isn't covered by her insurance to help get disability benefits. Linda Bergthold, a former health policy researcher at Stanford University's Center for Health Policy, helped develop a standard for medical necessity in 1999 that many insurers now use. That standard says treatment should be for the purpose of treating a medical condition, cost-effective, appropriate for the patient, and known to be effective from scientific evidence, professional standards, or an expert. When there are no guidelines or standard of care for an illness or condition, a treatment may be considered experimental, and plans can refuse to cover it, said Bergdahl, who is now an independent consultant. Because COVID-19 is so new, and because the research is scant, some treatments will not have clear evidence of effectiveness, she said. Insurance companies will make their own individual decisions at this point. That's why Cigna denied two claims totaling $800 for speech therapy sessions ordered for Cedar, who has struggled with cognitive issues associated with long COVID since having a mild case in February. Cedar knew something wasn't right when she couldn't remember her work password after 10 days off with COVID-19. I called the help desk, got it reset, and was trying to set up all the applications I use, and I had no idea what I was doing, she said." Now, she says she has trouble remembering the steps to get herself dressed and ready in the morning. In letters dated May 19th and May 31st, Signa told Cedar her speech therapy was considered experimental, investigational, or unproven for the diagnosis, which was listed as cognitive communication deficit. The company later reversed itself, calling Cedar to say it would pay her claim after Bloomberg Law contacted it for this story. In a statement, Cygnus said its coverage policies are based on published medical literature and clinical expertise. We are committed to ensuring those struggling with long-term symptoms of COVID-19 get the care they need while the medical community works to best implement clinical guidelines and best practices, the company said. We encourage any customer that believes a claim was denied in error to appeal it, and we strive to resolve any issue that arises for our customers quickly. Fidel's Care, Margot Collins Insurance Company, said certain criteria for sepsis and other febrile illness without focal infection pediatric had to have been met for her son's hospitalization to have been authorized those criteria are listed in medical guidelines developed by MCG the insurer said in a denial letter MCG is a company that develops standard of care guidelines for healthcare providers and insurance plans you were admitted to the hospital for fever without a source Fidelis care wrote which was the very point of alex's hospital stay Doctors wanted to find out if anything else could be causing the fevers. Alex had been cutting new teeth, but teething fevers don't last 15 weeks, said Cullen, who lives in Woodstock, New York. In a statement to Bloomberg Law, Fidelis Care said it can't comment on an individual's care due to privacy concerns, but that it has covered medically necessary testing and treatment for COVID-19, and we continue to work closely with our members and providers to ensure the best care possible. Medical standards for long COVID are still developing. Congress designated $1.15 billion over four years to study the prolonged health consequences of COVID-19, and the CDC released interim guidelines in June to help doctors diagnose and treat them. That guidance tells physicians to advise patients that post-COVID conditions are not yet well understood, and assure them that support will continue to be provided as new information emerges. Professional groups like the American Medical Association typically have their own treatment guidelines for some conditions. But insurers often use their own, said Elizabeth Green, a partner at Cantor & Cantor, which represents people who have had insurance claims denied. Courts have found these insurer policies don't always reflect the appropriate standard of care, she said. In one such example, United Behavioral Health was ordered by a federal judge in California to reprocess some 67,000 claims for mental health treatment. The court found in 2019 that the insurer had used flawed coverage guidelines that were more restrictive than generally accepted standards of care to deny claims. United Behavioral Health has appealed that decision. But without coverage limits, some argue insurers and self-funded plans could be hurt financially. It would be very difficult to say you have to follow the recommendations of the doctor in all cases because that would just bankrupt the system, said Joshua Bachrock, a partner at Wilson Elser in Philadelphia who represents insurance providers in claim disputes. I don't think plans are looking to find ways to deny claims. America's Health Insurance Plans, or AHIP, is an advocacy and trade association for insurers. In a statement, it acknowledged that long-term COVID isn't clearly defined or well understood, but said companies will help patients get the testing and treatment they need. If a clinician providing care has a difference of opinion with an insurance provider, they can have a dialogue with a fellow clinician at the insurance provider, to provide more information about the patient's condition and the recommended treatment, said David Allen, an AHIP spokesperson. Green expects to see some long-hauler lawsuits over insurance claims in the future, but hasn't encountered one yet. There's probably a delay because the term long-hauler is only probably, what, six months old at most, she said. This is all new to everybody. One roadblock to coverage is that there are no specific diagnostic codes for some long-haul symptoms making it difficult for doctors to bill insurance for tests and treatments. Some conditions, like depression, are easy to diagnose, but others are more complicated. It forces providers to think, how do we characterize these people? And sometimes it's not clear, said Dr. Jim Jackson, Director of Behavioral Health at the ICU Recovery Center at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Jackson, who leads a support group for COVID-19 long haulers that CEDAR is part of, has encountered this when trying to order cognitive rehabilitation for long COVID patients. Insurers tell him, we will only support cognitive rehab in people who've had a brain injury, and where's the brain injury, he said. A committee responsible for approving changes to diagnostic codes is meeting on September 14th and 15th, and it's AHIP's understanding that post-COVID codes will be discussed and officially implemented following that meeting, Allen said. The committee includes representatives from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the CDC, and the National Center for Health Statistics. Until then, health law scholars say doctors' clinical judgment will be the best evidence for how to treat COVID-related conditions. What insurers probably won't do is simply honor every medical judgment that this is a COVID-related condition. And then separately, you run up against treatment limits in your plan, said Sarah Rosenbaum, a health law professor at George Washington University. While states can require insurers in individual and group markets to make coverage exceptions for COVID-related care, they have no regulatory authority over self-insured employer plans that most people have. Any exception to coverage limits would require an act of Congress. New York said it got one complaint from a COVID-19 long hauler who had a claim denied, but other states hit hard by the virus have not received any complaints. Cullen hasn't gotten a bill yet for Alex's hospital stay or anything further from the insurance company other than that initial notice that the claim is being denied. She's planning to file an appeal, but doesn't know what it will ultimately cost. She's afraid to ask. I know the blood work is usually about $1,500 a pop when he's doing it outpatient, she said. Without insurance, that's what they bill. Alex is now back in daycare despite the fevers. His doctors deemed it safe for him to return since he's no longer testing positive or transmitting coronavirus. Colin, his mom, still didn't want to send him. Not with the Delta variant surging. I'm concerned about how his body is handling his infection and what it's going to mean for other infections, she said. Nobody has any answers.
0: That was Lydia Wheeler reading her story, Long COVID Victims Face New Foe in Recovery, Medical Necessity. Today's episode of On the Merits was produced by myself, Adam Allington, along with Lydia Wheeler and Bernie Cohn. Our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks for listening.